Father, we thank you, God, that we're not alone. Lord, that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what place we're in right now, that God, we're not alone. I thank you for the reassurance that though we are saved by faith alone, the faith that saves us never alone. And God, I praise your name for that truth right now. God, that we indeed, God, that we indeed, because we are saved, we are close to you. We are part of your family. We are in your sheepfold. And Lord, once we are there, we can never be let go. So Lord, I just thank you for that reassurance today. There are many people here, Lord, they may feel alone. They may feel empty. They may feel like you've deserted them, but God, that's not true. That not everything that goes through their mind today, God, it's not all true. That we lie to ourselves every single day. And Lord, I pray that you would speak truth to us now. As we look at your word, we look at what you have to say to us. God, I thank you for reminding us right now that we indeed are not alone. Thank you for not leaving us alone today. Thank you for being in our presence right now. Be glorified as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So, you know that sometimes I get on a soapbox, right? Like that happens to me a little bit sometimes. And, and, and sometimes I'm frustrated by things that I see and I'm frustrated by... I, I don't know if you'd call it perceptions. Or I'm frustrated by the, the... I don't know what to say besides it's the way that people behave sometimes. And, and it's people that have put themselves up on a pedestal. Um, in particular, one of my greatest frustrations happens to be pastors that put themselves up on a pedestal. So I don't mean to be on a soapbox today, and I want you to understand that what I say, I'm not trying to elevate myself by saying I'm any better than anybody else. Understand that, okay? But I want to tell you about a frustration that I have a little bit, um, because I don't think that this is in alignment with Jesus. When We're in this series called Encounter right now, and and I want you to understand that there is something about Jesus that is very different from any other gods of any other books. Jesus, just like J.M. was saying just a minute ago, Jesus was very different than any other gods that you would read about. If you were to study any other major religions of the world, you would see that Jesus is very different. He talked, J.M. talked about just a second ago. Although he is ultimate and he is supreme and nobody can question him and every answer that he has is the ultimate answer that he is also the sacrificial lamb. And you don't really see that in any other religions of the world. You don't see God humbling himself, coming to the earth as a man to be a servant for everybody else in, in any other religion except for the religion of Christianity, right? And that makes us unique. That makes our God different. That makes us different. And we are to follow that pattern. And what drives me crazy is when I see people who have studied God's word over and over and over again, and they, they pretend to be espousing the truth of God's word, and yet they themselves, in their lives, they are not humble. They are not servants themselves. They do not look like Jesus because they are not servants. They look at things and they go, well, that is beneath me. That's not, that's not my responsibility. That's somebody else's responsibility. I have these responsibilities that are way up here, and I'm not going to stoop down to these levels down here with this other stuff that has to be done. And they are not servants on that lower level like God has called them to be, and it drives me nuts. I will give you a specific example, okay? I was at Disciple Now Weekend a few weeks ago, right? And I got to looking around the room, and, and, and I got to looking on my Instagram because I'm friends with a lot of, a lot of pastors in the area. 
And, and we've got all these umpteen number churches. I don't know how many churches are represented at, at our Disciple Now weekend. I think it's somewhere around 20 churches in total that are represented at D-Now weekend. And I only know of three pastors that were in the room. I know of plenty of student pastors that were in the room, of plenty of student leaders that were in the room, but I only know of three. It was me and two other guys, one being Cody Hale and the other being Nathan Payne. And I know both of those guys were there because I saw the pictures that they took. I was looking around, see who I could spot, and those are the only three guys that I saw there. And I'm not saying there weren't others there because there may have been. But what I'm saying is this, is that I think that there are a lot of pastors that weren't there. And that drives me nuts, okay? That drives me crazy. Because I'm like, how can you serve other people? How can you be humble enough to be a servant of people and say, well, that's not my particular style of music. That's a you thing, so I'm not really going to participate in that. That drives me crazy. Now, I, I will say this. I don't want to take Keith's responsibility and his role away from him. That he is our student pastor, and he has a responsibility to our students. And that is absolutely his responsibility. But I am absolutely going to be there by his side. So that if he is talking to somebody, he is praying with somebody, they have somebody else to go to. And that person's going to be me. Okay? I'm not trying to say that I'm better than other pastors. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say that I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be like the way Jesus was. That if, if people wanted to be close to Jesus, Jesus wanted to be close to them. And I have students that wanted that relationship with me. Some of them are close to Keith, admittedly. Some of them are close to me. And I want to be there for them. I, I, it, Keith has no animosity towards me because some students may be closer to me. It's just the way God wired us, okay? But it drives me crazy that, that, that these, these pastors, they think, well, that's not really my responsibility. That, no, it's all your responsibility. Unless you're not a Christ follower. It's all your responsibility. And by the way, it's not just... My responsibility is all of our responsibilities too. You understand that? That we're supposed to humble ourselves and be servants to one another. And that's the picture that we see in, in, in John's gospel today, in John chapter 13, where we'll be talking. We see Jesus. I mean, he, he is on the verge of being put to death for everybody, okay? Like, this is on Thursday, and he's having a meal. He's having the, what we call the Passover meal, the Last Supper and we see Jesus here, and we see, man, he is about to die for everybody. Everybody that hates him. Everybody that's betrayed him. Everybody that has spit on him. Every, all the, he is about to die for them. His disciples. We're crying out loud. It, it, it's so terrible that, that we even see the absolute humanity in people when we see his disciples here. Now, we won't necessarily read about it in this particular gospel account in John, but in Luke's gospel account in chapter 22, it talks about how Jesus, in the midst of what he's about to do, how you know what his disciples are fighting over? Who's going to be the best? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? They're all worried about themselves being way up here. And Jesus is about to rock their world in a very dramatic way. He, he's about to get up from the table and do something that, that this is God, who is supreme in every way, has all power and all authority over heaven and earth. And he's about to get up from the table and do something that is going to blow everybody's mind, is going to turn everything on its head. He's about to wash his disciples' feet. They're nasty, filthy, stinking feet. And Jesus is about to get on his hands and his knees and wash them. And that's my stinking feet. 
How in the world could I possibly elevate myself and say, that's not my area of responsibility, that's somebody else's duty. When my Savior and my King gets down on his hands and his knees and washes my feet. Christianity is different, y'all. It ain't the same as, as other religions in the world. And it certainly ain't the same as, as this world portrays. It certainly, it certainly ain't like, well, you know, I'm the president of the United States. I, I'm, I'm a, a legislator. I, I, you know, I have, I'm, the, I'm the mayor. I'm, I'm, I'm the whatever. The CEO, the, the, the a director in my company. That, I, you know, that, that once I make it to that level, I don't have to do the lower stuff anymore. And Jesus says that way of thinking is all wrong. It's all wrong when it comes to the kingdom of God. I mean, can you not see the parallels between the other religions of the world and, and how the world operates too? Like, I, I, know, I know CEOs, I know, I, I know directors in my company, vice presidents in my company that won't go to Walmart because that's beneath them. They, they, they're like, I, I'm not going to associate myself with those people. You know, I, I'll go to Whole Foods and do my shopping. I'm not going to Walmart because that's, that's beneath me. If I ever get to that point, somebody shoot me or slap me in the face really hard. Willie, you got to slap me, okay? All right. Willie, like, I can't slap you, Kenny. But, but, uh, but really, it drives me crazy. I, I mean, I was talking to, to a guy that he's a senior director in our company, and, he, and I was talking to him about Walmart, and he was like, I don't really go there. I was like, what? <laughs> you don't go to Walmart. Everybody goes to Walmart, dude. <laughs> You know what I mean? They got stuff there that we need. I mean, you get a toilet brush and toothpaste and pork chops all in the same place. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I go to Walmart, because they got everything. Right, John? They got everything there. But he was like, I don't really, I'm like, well, what do you do when you need toilet paper? Where do you go, man? I mean, Whole Foods, it's like $68 for a roll of toilet paper. You can't do that. But there's this mentality in the world that, man, we get to this place and we're never supposed to go back down and we're never supposed to, to be on a lower level. It's like we just get there and we're good and we never have to go back down anymore. And that is exactly the opposite of what Jesus teaches. Exactly the opposite. So let's look at what it says in John chapter 13. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. So he was about to die. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I think this is, this is important. So I, I think that, that what's going on here is John's telling us, like, he loved his disciples while he was walking with them, and now he's about to make the transition from this life to the next. And, and he, he's pointing out here that even, I mean, all the way through, there was no difference between his love for his disciples when he walked the earth with them and when he was to die for them. When he was hanging on the cross, that there was no difference between how he served them and how he loved them. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. So here, man, there's so much here, y'all. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to preach for an hour and a half, but I so could. So here's the deal. So, so Jesus is having his last meal with 
his friends, his disciples, the people that he loved, the people he walked around with and cared about and developed relationships with, and he's having dinner with them. And he knows it's the last one because he knows that he's about to have to suffer and die a gruesome, awful death. And he knows that this is the plan. He knows that that was the whole reason he was created. That was the whole reason that he was born. Was for the purpose of dying for all of humanity. And he knows this. And he knows what's about to happen. And, and, and he's having this last meal. And, and it says in Luke's account in chapter 22 of Luke, he says that, that his disciples begin to start arguing over who's the greatest. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to be, where are you you going to sit when the kingdom finally comes? How how are you going to be elevated? What space are you going to have? What are your responsibilities going to be? Who's going to be the greatest? And the whole time, the whole time they're sitting there with nasty feet. Because in Israel in those days, man, it was dusty and it was nasty. And it was commonplace for them to, to, to wash feet. When uh, somebody came to dinner, because you don't want stinky feet in, in, in a dinner table, right? Like, I mean, because they always recline and they always lay down, you really don't want stinky feet around. I don't want stinky feet around me anywhere, as a matter of fact. And it even, it's even a little more gross when girls have stinky feet, but we won't go there. So, <laughs> boy, that was a way out there kind of. Yeah, anyway, so. Um, but nobody wants stinky feet, right? And, and certainly in this day and time, feet would have stunk a lot worse because it was nasty. And, and it, was, it, you know, it was customary for them to have their feet washed. And that was usually done by a servant when you came in for dinner that they would have somebody there to wash your feet. And that was the servant's responsibility to take care of that nasty responsibility because they would wear you know, something just barely covering their feet and they'd be covered in dirt and mud and they didn't want that tracked around the house. Some people today, they're all about taking your shoes off when you enter into the house, which, you know, I, I, that kind of always freaked me out. But that's cool if that's your thing. Like, you take the shoes off, I understand you don't have to vacuum as much. I get it. All right? Um, it, it just, my grandparents were that way. I didn't, I did, you know, like, we didn't have to necessarily. I didn't freak out if we walked around in shoes. But you saw everybody else with no shoes on. You're like, I guess I need to take my shoes off. I don't know what this is about. But anyway, so, um, like, we're not Japanese. Do we have to take our shoes off? So, anyway, but we would take our shoes off at my grandparents' house and, and I understand it's a cleanliness thing. And especially in Jesus' day and time, they would have wanted your feet to be clean while you're sitting down to dinner because it would have been a very awkward situation when your feet are stinking and you're trying to, to eat some food, right? So here, nobody has taken that responsibility. Nobody has stepped up to the plate and say, I will do what nobody else will do. And I think part of it is because they're all planning where they are and how elevated they will be when, when Jesus' kingdom finally comes. I think they don't recognize, I think that there's, there's two things going on here. They're celebrating the Passover meal, and that is God's deliverance of the, the people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So they're celebrating that, and they're talking about how good God is and how amazing God is. And yet, at the same time, they're not recognizing who God is, Okay. They're not recognizing God as a servant, and Jesus has to correct them in this. He has to show them that this is who God is. And the very fact that, that he created Jesus, well, that Jesus was, was created as a man. Now, Jesus always existed. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed. That he was created as a man. That he came in human flesh. That, that the fact that God did that from the very beginning, that he was planning on having Jesus die for all of us, that in itself... That in itself is a, a perfect example of being a servant. But here, these guys are too worried about themselves to recognize that, that Jesus has done this. And now, Jesus is going to have to take the place of a servant 
and physically wash their feet because nobody else will do that. Now, see, I want you to understand something. When you have a real encounter with Jesus, when Jesus really has, has, has gripped your heart and taken hold of your life and you are different and changed as a result, you become a servant. You become a servant. You see, there's a direct correlation, I believe, between humility and servanthood. You find somebody who is a, a great servant of other people, you will find somebody who has a great deal of humility. Right? They don't elevate themselves because they're willing to serve everybody else. You find somebody who has very little humility, you will not find such a great servant. Am I right? Don't you think that Jesus Christ was characterized by humility? The fact that he emptied himself of all power and authority in order for him to be able to take the place, uh, take our place on the cross as a servant to all of us? It's a perfect example of absolute humility. He was God, and he could have taken himself down off that cross anytime he wanted to and killed everybody on the earth in a split second if he wanted to. But instead, he allowed them to kill him. What more perfect picture of a servant can you get than that? That he laid down his life for the people that he loved. He laid down his life for his brothers. And it says here that, that Judas, Judas Iscariot, he... The devil had already entered him, and, and now he was, had his mind set to betray Jesus. And we look down on Judas, and we don't understand Judas, and we don't know why he would, having been there and seen all the things that Jesus had done, all the miracles that he had performed, how in the world could this guy possibly betray Jesus and turn him over to people that he knew were going to kill him? They knew, he knew that ultimately Jesus was going to be killed as a result of him turning them over. So how could that dude be like seeing that that was going to happen and seeing all the things that, that Jesus had done and the fact that he was the son of God? How could he possibly betray him like that? And I have to ask the same question of myself every day. I want to look down on Judas and say, man, I don't get how he could behave that way. I look down at myself sometimes and go, I don't know how you could behave that way. We look at Judas's kiss like the ultimate betrayal, but we do that every single day. We, we look at Judas's kiss. How could you do that? I look at myself and the things that I do, and I think absolutely the same thing. How could you do that? Knowing Jesus, knowing how he is, how good he is, and the fact that he is God, how could I possibly do that to him? But this is the part that kills me, y'all. This is the part that, that kills me. Jesus washed Judas's feet too. That's me. It's all of us. We rebel against God. We spit in his face of the things that we do. We have no desire to talk to him, no desire to listen to him. He washes his feet. There's no other God like that. There's no other, other Savior like that. If it doesn't tear you to pieces, thinking about your Savior washing your feet, 
There's something wrong inside, y'all. He knew. He knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew that things had already been set in motion, and he knew what was going to happen, and he washes his feet anyway. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I can imagine Peter is in turmoil here going, I can't imagine, Jesus, that you're going to wash my feet. I know who you are. I know what, a, what power and authority you have. Are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. This is very important. Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and, and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. You, and you, disciples, are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Now, I want you to understand something here. Peter says, Jesus, there's no way you can wash my feet. There's no way you can wash my feet. That, that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable that you would do that. Knowing what authority you have and the abilities that you have to perform miracles that are beyond comprehension, there's no way that you can be allowed to wash my feet. And Jesus rebukes Peter right here. He says, he says listen, unless you let me do this, you're not one of mine. You're not one of mine. Can, can you believe that? Jesus says to Peter, I have to serve you or else you don't belong to me. Isn't that the picture of the gospel? Doesn't Jesus, don't we have to recognize that Jesus served us on the cross? Don't we have to recognize that Jesus was a servant of us when he died on that cross, when he took that terrible beating, when he was so unrecognizable as a human being? Don't we have to recognize that as we think about him on the cross? Unless we recognize that he is a servant of us, then there's no way that we can belong to Jesus, belong to his family. We have to recognize that that's who Jesus is. And we have to acknowledge it. But there's a portion of this too. He says, he says, Peter, you don't understand what I'm saying right now. You don't understand how important this is right now. But someday you will. And this is what I believe. I believe that, that Jesus is kind of telling Peter the future a little bit because Peter's going to end up denying Jesus and and he's going to feel bad about that obviously as all of us would he denies Jesus three times Jesus predicted that and he told him you're going to deny me and and, and Peter denied him anyway and then he has a chance later on he says he sees Jesus on the seashore and he swims to him and is talking to him after Jesus has been resurrected and he's walking around the earth and, and, and here uh, Peter is basically grieved because of the fact that he had denied Jesus and, and what ends up happening is, is Jesus says, Peter, you're going to have a chance to make up for what you have done. You're going to have a chance to do something different than what you did the first time. He says, somebody's going to lead you to a place you do not want to go. They're going to clothe you in a way you don't want to be clothed. And they're going to lead you to your death, basically, is what he tells Peter. And I believe that's very similar to what he is saying right here to Peter. And that is this. He says, Peter, 
you're going to understand what real servanthood is one day. You're going to understand what it means to be a servant of others, just like I'm a servant of you. You have got to carry on this message. You have got to do what I'm doing. You have got to be a servant of other people, just like I'm being a servant of you right now. And you will ultimately carry this gospel and tell people the good news of Christ, and it will ultimately cause your death. That's what it means to be a servant of Christ. That's what it means for all of us. Is that we carry the good news of this gospel. We carry the good news of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. We carry that even if it means our very life. That's what it means to serve. That's what it means to love other people. Is to say no matter what the consequences are, the main point, the main purpose is to serve other people. And the greatest way you can serve another human being on this earth is the gospel of Christ. By telling them the good news that they too can be rescued and they can be saved and they can be transformed by the power of the gospel. It's the greatest way you can serve somebody else. And I believe that Jesus is telling Peter, he says, you will understand servanthood one day. Because you'll continue to carry this message that I'm carrying to you. And you're going to end up dying for it. It's going to end up costing you your life. But he goes on to say this. He says, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. What is Jesus saying here? See, see Peter said, I got... Jesus, if you're going to make me clean, if you're going to make me clean by washing me, I want you to make me completely clean. Keith and I were talking about this last night. We have a, some, sometimes we have a tendency to be very legalistic about the things that we do, and, and we're, we're very hard on ourselves, right? And so I, I, I get down on myself a lot about how bad I am, okay? Just looking at myself in the image, in the reflection of God's word, I kind of get down on myself a little bit. I don't know if you ever do that. You ever read God's word and it just kind of make you feel bad? It does that to me, okay? And that's God doing work on me, all right? But I have to remember this truth that, that Jesus is pointing out to Peter right here. Peter says, make me entirely clean by washing my body. If this is ceremonial and it's going to make me clean, then make me completely clean. And Jesus says this to Peter. You're already clean. You're already clean. This is to teach you how to be a servant. This is not for making you spiritually clean. Peter, you're already clean. And for me and you, we get down on ourselves and we look at the nastiness and filthiness in our lives and we just want to be made clean again. We just want to be made clean again. Right? We just, we just want to feel clean. We just want to feel like we're clean. And Jesus looks at us and he goes, you're already clean. You're already clean. I can't even wrap my mind around why he would want me to be clean. And all the things I do that are against God, all the things I do that are despicable, and Jesus looks at me and he says, you put your faith in me. You've trusted me for who I am. You're already clean. You're already clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, 
You understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So I've got to tell you a different way of thinking. I've got to impress upon your hearts that there's, there's something different here than what you've always thought. He says, there's no up here and down here anymore. There's no slave and master. There's no messenger and the one who sends the message. He says, it's all turned on its head now. It's all different now. And now that I have done this for you, I've shown you the example to follow. You go and wash each other's feet. You go and serve each other. You, you go and serve other people. You go and take this message that, that I have given to you and you give it to somebody else and they will give it to somebody else. And this message will continue on and on and on and people's lives will be changed as a result of it. He says, but the only way you're going to be able to do that is not, it's not by espousing this message. It's not by just telling them this message, but by serving them. By serving them. I know a lot of great men of God that, that preach some amazing messages. And, and man, it is moving and it is stirring. But I am more impressed. I am more impressed by the humble servant of God that will do whatever it takes, even to the end of his life, for the truth and the love of Jesus Christ to reach somebody and him serve them in such a way, him or her serve them in such a way that, that they can see that God loves them. That God has not left, left them or God has not forsaken them. That, that God has done everything that he can to reach them. And because for the whole purpose of the fact that he wants to serve them. And no matter how many times they've spit on God. No matter how many times they've cursed God. No matter how many times they've turned their back on God or blamed God. Or had all this shame and guilt and things that separated them from God. God says, I still want you. And I still want you to be with me. And because of that, I will wash your feet to show you how desperately I want you. Is that the message that we're preaching with our lives? Who cares about our lips so much as what, what are we preaching with our lives? What kind of servant are we of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we, do we exemplify that in our lives? Is it just lip service or is it really who we are? Do people look at you and go, that's a servant of Christ. That's a person who loves Jesus Christ. That Because they love Jesus Christ so much, they'll go to the ends of the earth, do whatever it takes to show people that they love them. Because that reflects their Savior. It's a perfect image of who their Savior was. And you can see that living and breathing in them. Maybe you feel like um, you've done too much. And there's no, way, there's no way that God could love you in this place that you're in. Think about the fact that Judas 
sold him over for money. For money. He sold Jesus' life over for money. And Jesus washed his feet. As a matter of fact, Jesus died for Judas. Now Judas didn't accept it. It was a free gift offered to Judas, and Judas didn't accept it, and it ate him alive, even cost him his death when he committed suicide. But Jesus died for Judas. He paid the ultimate price for Judas. Do you know that Jesus paid the ultimate price for you? That no matter how much you've done, how, how awful your life has looked, that Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. That he is the perfect picture of a servant, the sacrificial lamb for you and for your sin. Today, we're just going to have a time where we come and we fall down and just worship Jesus. Some of you want to do that in your chairs. Some of you want to come down here and praise Jesus for who he is. Whatever you feel like you need to do. But today, maybe you feel like you're all alone. And Jesus has reminded you today that you're not all alone. Maybe today you want to praise him for the fact that he is the perfect picture of a servant. Maybe today you need to repent of the fact that you aren't. Whatever the case may be, we're just going to have a time we come and we pray. We sing praises to Jesus and we worship him. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for reminding us of who you are as the perfect picture of a servant. God, may we be the same way. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're to be like you. We're supposed to be, God, in, in the, the perfect image that you created of us, as we go back to that, God, I, we are supposed to be ambassadors of Christ. We're supposed to be ambassadors of love, and we are supposed to be servants of this entire world. It's incomprehensible to me that Jesus would wash those disciples' feet, and it is even more incomprehensible that he would wash the feet of Judas, who was going to betray him, who was going to turn him over to his death. But that's who you are. That's how beautiful your grace is. Lord, for us, as, as we stand here and we look at your word and we see how awful we are on the inside, God, and we question, Lord, how could you possibly love us? Your word has reminded us today that we are indeed loved by you. We are not left alone in that place, but God, you continue to work on us and you continue to serve us. And God, as we're so hard on ourselves and we, we desire so desperately to feel clean, we desire so desperately, God, to just kind of be restored to that place that, that, that we were in, the way that we felt when we first gave our lives to you. Lord, I pray that you've reminded people today that that's just a feeling. That's just how they feel. They are clean. They are clean. And God, for those that aren't clean, for those who have never truly given their life to Jesus Christ and never surrendered everything to him, I pray that they would do so today. They would know what it means to be clean. They would know what it means to be, to be washed by the blood of the Lamb and just made be completely clean. Lord, however you need to work in our lives right now, I pray that we would be responsive to you. And God, that you would be honored by us praising your name as we sing your name and worship. Lord, thank you for being our servant. May we be just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand.